Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. The Houston Rockets have a new head coach in the person of Steven Silas. That is criminal behavior. It's a solid hire. If I get to do what I want to do, I got the cool teacher. I may not make straight A's, but I got the cool teacher. I can do what I want to do. When you get finished, <laughs> we got five wins. Let me let me break it down to you, brother. Let me break it down to you real quick. If you can fire your owner, the Cowboys will win a lot more. He was kind of like Isaiah Thomas. Everybody love to see him coming because they knew that they were going to take his shirt from him. Sometimes people speak to your soul. It's kind of like why we got the president we have right now. You just didn't give a straight damn. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty and back on goal. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh! Mama, there goes that man. You Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are here on Election Day 2020. I know tensions are high. I know that people are energetic and anxious and scared in some cases. It's a crazy, crazy day, but we took this uh, this day to bring you another excellent episode of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. We have a fun one where we will talk a little bit of politics and a whole lot of sports. I'm going to give you a rundown of what we have coming up, but first and foremost, want to tell you guys important ways to connect with us. Go to the WadesWordProductions.com website to uh, look around the website, listen to past episodes, get to know me, get to know us some of the folks you will hear on this podcast frequently. That's wadeswordproductions.com. And at the bottom of every single page, you can go to hit the subscribe button and subscribe to the email list and be a part of that so you can get periodic emails from us so you will know what's going on. In addition to that, we have a 24-hour day sports line, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. You can leave a message, ask a question, make a comment 24 hours a day we will have a we the people segment coming up on this thursday believe anytime you have a question if you want us to cover something or talk more about something you can do it there 832-941-6614 in addition to that on social media the sports talk with devin wade group on Facebook, and there's also a fan page, but go to the group, join the group, and of course on Twitter at Wade's Word. So, all of those ways are ways to connect with us. Well, it's time out. We are going to talk to former Houston City Council person Amanda Edwards. She ran for uh, Senate in the United States Senate for the state of Texas, trying to oppose John Cornyn. She fell a little bit short there, but nonetheless, she's still a servant of the community and she has a bright political future. Uh, she will talk to us about some of the things pertaining to this election and voting and all of that good stuff on Election Day. In addition to that, we have our guy, Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker. He's going to talk some football and some probably some Formula One, I would guess. I would bet you anything, Formula One. <laughs> well, I'll ask him about Formula One. So he'll talk some Formula One, but mostly we'll talk some NFL and we have a 
wifey side piece or crazy ex segment coming up for you during his visit with us a little bit later on. Also, we have the D-Nice segment. I'll tell you over the weekend who was not just nice, but who was D-Nice. And I'll tell you who uh, still has the blues, what teams, what players struggled over the weekend and had a, a sort of a, a Johnny Taylor kind of weekend. In addition to that, we have Alamon Award for the big dummy of the episode. And we have a whole lot more. So let's get started with some headlines. Well, in headlines, I mean the biggest game of them all in the United States. It's election day. And it has been intense, to say the least. And a lot of people are worried. I'm a lot more confident that things will work out, that there will be relative peace. Now, we that doesn't mean there won't be problems, but there'll be relative peace. And, and I've been playing with my interactive electoral college map, taking away certain states, making certain states red, certain states blue. What happens if this state flips, if this state is red or if this state is blue? And it's a real I mean, there are sort of some correlations between that and sports. A lot of anticipation, a lot of pundits, a lot of experts, a lot of folks anticipating what's going to happen. The difference is the consequences of this election have real life if, uh, impacts on our lives, like real big time impact. Like, I don't know if we're going to make it <laughs> if we pick the wrong way sort of ramifications. It's that serious. It sounds hyperbolic, but it's, it's really, really not. And I think that change is glacial in your life in a lot of ways so it won't be like one day we have lights the next day the lights are off but literally one day you may lose your insurance because you have pre-existing conditions one day there may, may be a federal judge that won't look into civil rights violations the the justice department may not examine police brutality or a racial injustice i mean things like this they have an impact and over time they really do shape how our lives go so i hope i hope i hope you get a chance to get out and vote today if you haven't already props to houston, the houston greater houston area fort bend county harris county they've done a fabulous job of making it as easy as possible as safe as possible for people to go out and vote with over a hundred thousand people in the united states getting covid every day i know that that is a major consideration is this uh this covid rages out of control but this is also a big day in the nfl the nfl trade deadline and it came and went without much action now, Isaiah Ford, a receiver for the Miami Dolphins, was traded to the New England Patriots, and that's about it today. Now, there was discussion that Will Fuller of the Houston Texans would be traded to the Green Bay Packers. It would have made sense for Green Bay to have a reliable veteran receiver, but uh, apparently there was some upheaval, some disagreement in the uh, the front office of the Green Bay Packers about bringing in Fuller, who becomes a free agent at the end of the year. He will be a eight game or well, what 11 game. If you go to Super Bowl or whatever, uh, 11, or 12 game rental, but they do it in the NBA and baseball all the time. I thought that would have been a good fit for Green Bay. They did not make that deal and no other major deals, which is sort of a surprise. I thought we would see like we've seen over the last couple of weeks, some salary dumps. So that has gone on. So, nothing significant with that COVID 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 has had a huge impact as several players who played Sunday 
were diagnosed Monday with COVID. That's no bueno, because that means you are all up in the face of your opponents and of your teammates, and maybe you were asymptomatic. I don't know. I don't know how they tested negative Sunday and Monday. They've tested positive. That's not good. I know that Green Bay has had some impacts with that, and they played Thursday. And also the Baltimore Ravens. And I'll tell you what, man, they've had a tumultuous week. They lose. They lose their left tackle, Stanley. Let me tell you about the left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. That is Ronnie Stanley. Now, last week, Ronnie Stanley, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday of last week, he was set to become a free agent this offseason, but he agreed and signed a new deal last week to the tune of $112 million, $112.9 million, and $70 million of that was guaranteed. Why is that important that it was guaranteed? Because Sunday he had a catastrophic injury. He tore up his knee. He broke his ankle, fractured his ankle, tore ligaments. He really did damage, really, really bad damage to his ankle, and he will be out for the year. But, boy, can you imagine how much money he saved or he earned because he signed that deal last week as opposed to what would have happened had he gotten injured last Sunday. So Sunday he gets injured, but last Wednesday he signs that $70 million guarantee of his contract. Now they say that the injury is something that he can recover from. So he'll be fine. But uh, what they say, but again, signs a deal on Wednesday, guaranteeing him at least $70 million, almost $71 million, and now he's out for the year. That's sort of the opposite of what we saw with Dak Prescott. So those sorts of things happen. Over the weekend, New England with another loss, and poor Cam Newton. I say poor Cam Newton, but Cam, I mean, you out there, it happens. He was on his way to the end zone or leading his team to a game-winning drive or at least a tie against the Buffalo Bills. Instead, he fumbles the ball with under a minute left inside of the 15-yard line, inside maybe the 10-yard line. He fumbles it, and they lose that game. That was big. San Francisco, they lose George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo to injury. Garoppolo out for six weeks, and he probably won't come back the rest of the year. I, I would imagine why bring him back if you you know if you're going to be out of it. And I have no reason to believe that Nick Mullins, the backup quarterback, can keep them in contention, especially in that brutal NFC West. Uh, but he's out six weeks. George Kittle's out eight weeks with a broken bone in his foot. That's a big big deal. The NBA is deciding what is going to happen with their season. They want to start on Christmas Day. There's some pushback there, and it could cost the NBA players a lot of money. So a lot of folks don't want to go back that soon after just wrapping up the season. Uh, but, hey, you had the four months off. So, yeah, you probably ought to do that. We'll keep an eye on that, and we'll talk about that in uh, coming days or weeks. We'll see how that plays out. So that's happening. A bunch of other stuff is happening. COVID is running rampant. John Elway has it, and other front office officials for the Denver Broncos have it. It's uh, College football is, is running rampant all over college football, having big-time impacts. Uh, Trevor Lawrence missed one week last week against Boston College, and he will miss the game this week versus Notre Dame. So, uh, yeah, we said it was going to happen, and it's happening. Speaking of predictions, 
We have one coming up in our conversation with former city council person Amanda Edwards, friend of the show, our political pundit, uh, the official political consultant for the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Uh, we will talk about the election and her future in politics and a lot more. Here's our conversation with Amanda Edwards. Welcoming back former Houston City Council person Amanda Edwards. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. I'm excited about what is on the horizon for the state of Texas and Harris County and this nation. As I do believe we are on the brink of a true change that is so needed in this moment in this country. Well, we're just days away from the election. And I want to ask, you have run for several offices. What is it like for the candidate leading up to? Are you still concentrating on get out the vote? Or, I mean, as a candidate yourself, are those emotions starting to sort of raise inside of you? You start to get anxious. What does it feel like when you're days away from election day? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of surreal. It's a, a best way to describe it is surreal. You've got so much adrenaline. Uh, just pumping through you at that point. I think, you know, at that point, you are just solely adrenaline. <laughs> and so you are just, you know, your energy is there, your alertness. I mean, you just all over the place. You literally want to teleport yourself in all places. You're on your toes. You're moving around. You know, people often ask, do you feel tired? No. Not at that point. You don't feel tired because you you've got so much adrenaline rushing at that point. And I, I and it stays that way until there's been some resolve. Right. And so until you had the results. So I ran for city council and then I was in the Democratic primary for this U.S. Senate race for 2020. And in both cases, I would say the same was true in terms of just having that adrenaline pumping through you. And it's just, it's almost like it's, per, it's just propelling you forward. So there's no fatigue. There's no, I need to take a time out. None of that. You don't feel that way. So in, when it gets quiet late at night, days prior to it, do you have that doubt or do you, are you reassured? I mean, how do you, cause I mean, like I said, I mean, I play football. So, you know, the night before a game, different players handle it different ways for me. I would have a tough time sleeping. What about for you the night before? Do you have those seeds of doubt or what, what is it like? No, I mean, you, 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 I don't think you are focusing on that. I don't know how to explain it. You're just in execution mode. So it's like, it's a little bit different than a big game. Like when you're preparing for the big game, it's not like you're con the game is continuous, right? The week leading to you're not, you're practicing. When you are running for office, election is already going on. It's this perpetual election that's going on for weeks. So early vote, I would say that's when you kind of say on your mark, get set, go. It's when, you, when the early vote begins. But then if you're in the midst of, you know, the night before the election, you just had, a, you know, weeks of early vote take place. So that's been election day that's over the strand of several days. And what we think of election day as is really just your last day to vote. It's not really this culminating, this is the day where everybody's going to turn out. Theoretically, 
or presumably most people will have already turned out in the early vote. So you had to do your job. I guess the get on your market, set, go, you know, happens or flash happens when early vote begins. People like to talk, emphasize the, the election day, but that's kind of too late. I mean, you know, you do your best, but if you're just starting to focus on the election on early, I mean, on election day, you're too late to the party. You've done a lot. And and I want to say this. I have been championing and celebrating the turnout in Texas as a whole, specifically Harris County, Fort Bend County. We've seen just record shattering turnout in early voting. How do you read the tea leaves when you see that situation? What do you see when you see that kind of turnout, unprecedented turnout uh, in early voting? Yeah, I mean, we that's exactly what we thought would happen. You have so many new people moving into the state of Texas. You have this trajectory of high concentrations of newly registered voters, many of whom are first-time voters, who have people of color, women, lots of this changing demographic that's registering to vote. And then, of course, seeing them turn out to vote is exactly what we anticipated would happen. Now, did we anticipate the exact same numbers? Not necessarily that, but we certainly knew after 2018 that Texas was ripe to change in 2020. I would not have run for office and given up my city council seat if I didn't believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly based on the data, the trends are showing you Texas is not the Texas that was on TV several decades ago with the show Dallas. That's not the Texas of today. The Texas of today is one that's very diverse, one in which we have large concentrations of voters in cities, ones in which we have a politically diverse spectrum of people who live here, and one in which suburbs are also now trending blue. So you've got suburbs, urban centers, which are growing, and the proportion of the vote that's actually rural is shrinking. And so that traditional voting block that people were accustomed to seeing with Texas now has shifted and we're seeing a huge shift in be, based on demographic changes in the transit nature, nature of our state, et cetera. One of the, the challenges of all politicians, of all the people who run for office, is trying to turn out the vote, get out the vote. And you're trying to reach folks who are, who are not engaged politically most of the time. Uh, I guess you could say low information voters. How do you connect? with those people because I have a follow-up question to that but how do you go about connecting with the folks who who will only vote every four years they may skip midterm elections they may skip local elections uh, what do you how do you reach those folks what do you do as a politician as somebody who's run for office to reach those folks you meet people where they are you meet them in their communities you meet them on social media you meet them in concert with the calls that you're placing you contact them, you do your outreach. You don't expect people to come to you. You've got to go to where the people are and you've got to do your outreach. So it's saying that, what would you tell folks who have yet to vote? Because again, this will come out on election day. There's still time for folks to go out and vote if they haven't. What, why is it important? And let's let's talk down ballot. We can we don't even have to talk about the presidential race because a lot of you know politics is local and, and it affects their day to day lives. What sort of things are on the ballot that will affect the common man's, for lack of a better term, their daily life? Everything, everything is on the ballot. 
If you are tired of staying at home because of COVID, you are stir crazy. You are ready to get out of the house, see your grandparents, see see loved ones who you haven't been able to see because of COVID. That's on the ballot, to have sound leaders who can actually manage this pandemic more appropriately than what has been done by President Trump. If you are someone who has a pre-existing condition or you just think that it's right to make sure that people with pre-existing conditions are not discriminated against, you want health care access for more people and not less people, you want it to be more affordable, then you should go out and vote. If you are someone who believes that uh, prescription drugs in this country is out of control in terms of pricing. If you believe that, then you need to go vote. If you believe that we need to have economic opportunity for all people, you are a small business owner, you want to be able to access more bank loans than what is typically the case. Minority-owned businesses in some instances can be three times less likely to gain access to capital than their non-minority business counterparts. That's wrong. You should be going out to vote. If you are someone who cares about criminal justice reform, what is happening in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder, not just in terms of speeches given, but to want to see and need to see the actual results that people are talking about, then you should go out and vote. It doesn't matter if you have one niche issue or many issues that you are concerned about. If you do not want to perpetuate the status quo, then you need to vote. It does us no good for you to just tweet. Now, I'm not saying don't tweet and I'm not saying don't don't put something in your Instagram stories. I'm saying you do that and you go vote because that is what's actually going to matter. Very few people would have thought that Texas would be in play in 2020. And in fact, this state can flip in this election. And that is something that the people did. It's not something that, you know, anybody else manufactured because enough people said, I'm ha- I've had enough. This is too much. Our lives are not reality TV show set like our president is treating it. We deserve more than what we're receiving. We are better than the status quo. And because people were fed up and said that, this state could flip blue for the very first time in a presidential cycle for the past few decades. This is making history in this moment because people are standing up and making their voices heard, not just online, but through the power of their vote. Because voting is actually your power as being the bosses in the public. Not the people in the swivel chairs. The people in the swivel chairs are not the bosses. It's the public. And it's if you have somebody in office that you've hired to do a job and they're not doing it, it is time for them to go. And that's what the people are doing right now. So as a person who was elected to office, to and I always say this, that democracy doesn't start and end on election day that it's an ongoing process it's an ongoing dialogue now you've had that office you've had that position how were people able to reach out to you did you feel the pressure of folks if they had an issue how, how often did people reach out to you and say hey we need in our district we need this fixed or i i we need this done from city hall how often did people put pressure on you or at least i guess hold your feet to the fire did that happen often uh, did many people reach out to you to try to get you to help them in one way or another? Absolutely. That's what I'm here to do. And I think, you know, we have to think about elections as the wedding day. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's exciting. But the real work starts 
after you take that oath of office and you're there to do the job that people sent you there to do. I put those people as number one on my priority list. The needs of those community members, number one. So we had in my office something called the grandmother standard of care. Do not talk to anyone, you know, without treating them with, with that standard, which is how would you want your grandmother to be treated? Would you want someone to hang up? and rush them off the phone, would you want it? Of course not. You would want to make sure that not only did she get to where she needed to go or the person that can help her could assist, but that it actually got done. So we follow up. We had to, you know, we just took that approach because that's what people deserve in terms of their leadership. They don't deserve to be treated as if they are an inconvenience to the office. That's not what you're there to do. You are there to serve them. So we have to have a very customer service and oriented approach to serving the constituents who need our help. They wouldn't be calling unless they need your help. And so I would show up in community meetings. I would show up. I, you can call me. I just got everywhere I needed to be. I want to go shift gears and talk about something slightly different in that. We've known as African-American constituency that voter suppression has been a part of certain parties M.O. since the very beginning. They never wanted black people and in a lot of cases didn't want women or non-landowners to vote. So voter suppression has been a part of democracy, this democracy since the beginning. But in modern history, I've never remembered a more overt effort to suppress the vote. And, and not that they weren't always doing it, but now they say the quiet part out loud and voter suppression is a real thing. And there are people who do not want folks to vote. Have you ever seen anything like the efforts through courts and through all sorts of methods to suppress the vote? We have an unprecedented amount of things at stake right now. The presidency, the Senate, and so many different seats down the ballot, plus the fact that so many issues have risen to the surface of people's consciousness in the mainstream in a way that everything is just bubbling over. So, so much is at stake this election cycle that you are seeing an unprecedented number of people early vote across this country. It's not just the state of Texas. It's not just our county. It's happening everywhere. You see this unprecedented turnout and the people are rising up. And when the people rise up, you better rest assured that there will be a counter effort to suppress the people from rising up. And that is what is happening. So you see it manifesting in so, so many different ways as you've highlighted. And it's in response to this unprecedented level of interest and willingness and push to make our voices heard. We are tired of the status quo. We deserve better. And we are now doing our part to ensure that we get better. So with that, uh, do you have a prediction on, do you feel like there'll be any kind of turmoil? Will we know on, on Tuesday night, will we have an indication of who won the presidential election in your opinion? Or is this something that may be drawn out for a while? What do you, what's your take on, what are, what are we to expect over the next couple of days and weeks? You know, I believe that we'll have a very clear sense on at least Locally on our numbers in terms of early vote and voting night totals, we'll have a clear sense. But across the country, there will certainly be all kinds of battles waged. You better believe it. So while it may be clear to us 
where we're trending and what is the likely result, it, I don't think it will necessarily be declared as such. Um, so I think it may take a day or so for anybody to make clear speeches. I don't, you know, when we saw then Secretary Clinton, who was running for president, make her speech the following day, I think you'll probably see some of that happen where people are making speeches the next day as opposed to the night of. But we shall see. I think, you know, what this president has guaranteed us is that we don't know what to expect from this president. And I do not think he will bow out gracefully. I do think, I think that Biden-Harris will be successful. And not only do I think Biden-Harris will be successful nationally, I do believe that Texas will go for Biden-Harris. Before we let you go, you're enjoying podcast life now. You, we, you, you're doing podcasts now, and you sort of taking a hiatus politically, at least for running for office. Uh, I mean, obviously, you just finished the primary, so it hadn't been long. But first of all, how, how's podcast life? How are you enjoying that? Oh, I love it. It's fun. You know, it gives me a little chance to take my guests to, as I call it, they get a little bit of church. They get a little bit of comedy. They get a little bit of reflection and therapy and and humor and all of, all of the things wrapped up into one. And I really enjoy being able to give my listeners and viewers an opportunity to learn from people who have, you know, defied extreme odds learn from them how did you overcome that obstacle or how did you reach that unbelievable dream you had how did you do it and that's what we try to do is equip people with the motivation the inspiration the the know-how to then apply it to their own lives because we all need to be uplifted we all need encouragement we all need to kind of retool the way we're thinking about certain things and get unstuck if you will and that's a really great vehicle that I'm a, a really enjoying using a, as a way to inspire others, not only to get unstuck and to uh, navigate challenges, but also to dream bolder dreams and not to hold themselves back in their life's journey. And finally, my final question, what, what can we expect from you next? What are you? When are you going to run for <laughs> office again? Because I know you talk about wanting to serve the community. You have that experience now. You've gone and run for United States Senate. So what's next for you in public life? Yeah, yeah. You, well, we'll, we shall see. I, I am not out and retired and, and that sort of thing. I'm definitely going to get back in the, in the arena. But I really want to kind of make that process an organic one in terms of analyzing what is needed in our community, where is there the most need for my ability to impact it, and and kind of making decisions based off of that. So just in these short few months, the landscape of our nation has changed so drastically, and I think the same holds true of what we can expect to see in the next several months. And so I want to be a part of that from the ground level, on the ground with the community, but then also evaluate where do I, where can I play a role that is most helpful and impactful for the people that I eventually seek to serve again. And so I am, I have not made a firm decision. It is not clear to me yet what that will be, but uh, certainly am committed to exploring what that next, that next effort will be.
and how can folks see your podcast or hear it? Because you're doing the video and you're not just doing audio, you're doing the visual as well. How can they find the podcast and how can they catch up with you on social media? Absolutely. So on social media, I have three different social media accounts uh, that you can follow. And the first one in terms of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For Twitter and Facebook, it's Amanda for Texas. That is F-O-R Texas. So Amanda for Texas. For Instagram, it's Amanda for Texas, the number four. And also they can go to my website, www.amandakedwards.com, and you will be able to find on all of those platforms a link to my podcast. You can listen. It's on all major platforms. Or you can actually go to YouTube and watch it. So we, we like to provide the visual and the audio because some people are super visual and don't like to listen. And some people are, you know, like to listen to the, the podcast in the car and as they do their exercises. So we try to meet you where you are <laughs> uh, and, and uh, have really good guests. And so it's called the Edwards Empowerment Talk. Well, in addition to so many other hats you wear, you are our official political consultant. <laughs> so you're our political pundit for well, the Sports listen. Talk with Devin Wade podcast. And listen, you heard it here first. Texas is going blue. Now. Uh I'm hey from your lips to God's ears. There you go. <laughs> so uh, with that, hey, we certainly appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to maybe catching up with you if this gets complicated. Maybe you can walk us through some things if things okay. get ugly in the coming weeks. You you betcha. Just give me a call anytime. For more content, go to WaveWordProductions.com. I want to thank Amanda Edwards for joining us. Always good to talk to her. And, you know, I enjoy just talking to a political insider. So some of the questions I asked her off the air about the process and what was going on behind the scenes and, and stuff that was happening within the Texas Democratic Party, all of that stuff is sort of uh, fun to indulge in. So, yeah, great conversation with her. We always appreciate that. And check out her brand new podcast. It's out there and it's uh, inspirational. Unlike, you know, me, I'm not always uplifting <laughs> some of the stuff i say i'm sure is not very uplifting but nonetheless it's time to be uplifting about some of the players and some of the teams that were nice over the weekend but not just nice see i can say nice but since it's the sports talk with Devin, capital D, Devin Wade. These are the teams and the players who were D-nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. When you're talking teams that were D-nice, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they beat up on their division rival, the Baltimore Ravens. They forced four turnovers by Lamar Jackson, and they got it done, and they remain undefeated. That's D-nice. The Miami Dolphins started rookie Tua Tunga-Vailoa for the first time, and they beat the Los Angeles Rams at home. Now, Tua wasn't all that, but that defense stepped up. Also, the special team stepped up with a punt return for a touchdown, and they are D-nice. The New Orleans Saints had a 
tough NFC victory on the road at Chicago versus the Bears without their two best wide receivers, including one of the best receivers in the game, Michael Thomas. They got it done in a big wave in overtime, 26-23. They were denies. I've been beating up the Atlanta Falcons all year long, and rightfully so, with the dumbest special teams move in the history of special teams. But the Atlanta Falcons had a big win Thursday night over the Carolina Panthers. The defense showed up, and they won 25-17. Julio Jones did work. Seven receptions, 137 yards. They were D-nice. The Minnesota Vikings got a healthy Dalvin Cook back on the field. And what did he do? He scored four touchdowns, but they, more importantly, got a win in division versus the Green Bay Packers, their second win of the season. That's D-nice. And talking about players that were D-nice, we talked about Dalvin Cook, four touchdowns. He had 63 receiving yards and 163 rushing yards. He was D-nice. DK Metcalf went missing last week, but this week in a 37-27 win over the 49ers, he had 12 receptions, 161 yards, two touchdowns, and he was DKD nice. DK caught the ball, but Russell Wilson threw the ball 27-37, 264 yards, and four touchdowns. He is on a record-setting pace. He is the real MVP, and he's D nice. Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do versus the Jets. He went 416 yards passing and five touchdowns. That is D nice. Indy quarterback Phillip Rivers went 23 of 33 in a big time win. Three touchdowns, 262 yards. The old guy was D nice. To have your comments heard, call 832 941 6614. With that, going to take a time out and hear from our sponsor, Cobank Homes, and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, on the mix. On the other side, our conversation with Eddie Robinson, and we still have a Lamont Award and a whole lot more. It's the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and Cobank Homes. The vision at Cobank Homes is simple. And it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832-757-7950. Cobank Homes through Keller Williams. Come loved one, let's ride that silver train right down the Hudson. Have lunch. Midtown is summer in New York Post brand Meander through the Met just like we used to The odds are King Tut still summers in New York We'll both review Fifth Avenue from uptown to St. Pat in 
That is the mixing of our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, and he's a bad, bad man. If you have music, though, that you'd like heard on the podcast, just hit us up, music at wageworldproductions.com. Email us, music at wageworldproductions.com. Genre doesn't matter. Uh, And if you're a DJ, we'll play a portion of the mix at the break and an extended portion or an entire mix at the end of the podcast. With that, before we get into Eddie, I want to get on my soapbox when we are together we got power and now it's time to get on the soapbox this is when i offer up my opinion and no more important day to offer up my opinion than on election day and yes i'm endorsing joe biden it's no secret here Look, we can talk about policy all day long. We could talk about immigration reform. We could talk about police reform. We could talk about fiscally conservative policies. We could talk about all that. What we cannot have a discussion about, what we cannot agree on, is somebody that is there to divide, that is racist. I hate to say that. I don't hate to say it. I hate that we have to talk about the president of the United States in modern times being that way. But it is what it is. There's a pattern of behavior from what he did to Obama to his discrimination lawsuits for not letting black people live in his in his buildings. Go way back and look that up. Look at his father, what his father did. Look at Charlottesville. Look at the 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 calling the the African country. Look at all of this birtherism, all of that. Not denouncing. Look, there's a way to denounce somebody. And he didn't do it the right way. He does not do it the right way. He does not get along with our allies. He lies every single day. That's just not acceptable. It's just not acceptable. And again, yeah, we know, okay, all politicians manipulate the truth. No, he flat out lies. He denies what is going on with COVID. And that's just just dangerous. Now, and it's killed a lot of people. And him pushing to open up the country when we weren't prepared and him not being honest with us. You can't, man, we cannot sustain this kind of stuff. Not being ignorant of foreign policy, being ignorant of the laws that govern us currently. Like he always wants to do things and say, no, no, we can't do that. That's illegal. And then the Russian stuff, which is still a thing. And he was impeached. Let's not forget that. Robert Mueller didn't go far enough. But so I'm saying, like, again, we will get away from uh, political stuff, I suspect, as we get to some sense of normalcy, because I think this nightmare will be over. But when you see your country headed in the wrong direction, people have to speak up. And this is my platform. I do not represent anyone else and anyone else's opinion on this podcast. That's why it's my podcast. So that being said, I'll leave that where it is. Hope you get out to vote. Hope you got out to vote. Hope you continue to support a healthy democracy and the growth of inclusion in all sorts of ways. And just making this world and this country a better place, man. Environmental stuff, man. Save the earth. All of this stuff. We live next door to Louisiana. Six hur- Five or six hurricanes hit them this year. In one year devastating i know people who've been devastated in lake charles by this it's ridiculous we have to start to grow up be grown-ups except look no one is going anywhere 
We're never going to get all white America. There's never been in the history of his existence. It was that there were Native Americans here when they got here. It will never be an all white country. So if that's the case, let's embrace one another, move forward and make this the best country in the world. Because we can't. With that, it's time to go to our conversation with Eddie Robinson. And again, these are my opinions. They don't reflect those of Eddie Robinson, Amanda Edwards, or anyone else, DJ Anarchy, no one else. These are my opinions and my opinions only. And if you're offended, I don't know what to tell you about that. But I, I hope you come back for the sports conversation. But if you don't, sorry. Is <laughs> he Rob 50? Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker, to talk some, some Formula One and some NFL. How are you this afternoon? Oh, everything's good, man. Nice day in Houston. Uh, you know, beautiful sunshine. Best time to be in Texas. Not too hot, not too cold. Yeah, it's a good thing for these two or three weeks we get (laughs) like this away from everything else. Also, Election Day, very intense time. How are you de-escalating? How are you dealing with uh, some of the anxiety that's in the air? Even if you're not anxious, it's in the air. It's obvious that everybody's kind of on edge. How are you dealing with all the the energy from today? Well, I I think the sooner it kind of gets over it and you have a decision one way or the other, then I think Everybody can move on. So I always early vote, encourage other people to do so. But I, I think it's, you know, it's good if you look at, um, you know, it's not a, a whole lot of countries that can say that they've uh, had a, a democracy where everybody gets a vote for, you know, the, the length of time that the United States has. So I think that's that's one of the, the beauties of the uh, United States is that, you know, we do have a democratic process and a peaceful transition of power from one person to the next. So. Uh, I mean, you always can be critical, but at the end of the day, you know, it's always been where one person steps out and the next person steps in. So hopefully we will have that once again. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the world, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of stretching it here. Big weekend again for Lewis Hamilton. I'm going to let you get your Euro sports talk in. How easy is this? What is going to stop this train from rolling? I mean, obviously, this 93-win run sort of can't continue. What can possibly sort of derail his career? As he just, I mean, not, not that you want it to, to de- be derailed, but it's, how long can this go? Because it's, it's almost a foregone conclusion when they started up every time. Nah, it's, it's not that easy. And, and when it's kind of like when you're looking at, you know, Michael Jordan in his prime. He said, man, he's going 40 again, man. So it's kind of like you, you kind of run out of superlatives. So it just may, he makes it seem easy, but it's a lot of effort and work that goes into it. And it's a lot of team success. So actually the big thing this, this weekend was that Mercedes won the seven straight constructors championship. So, you know, the, you have each racer who's trying to win the individual race and he gets points and he can be the world champion, but then the two cars are competing and that's for the constructors championship, which is which is a huge deal because you know for Mercedes to win seven times is is just like phenomenal. And then you know Lewis is the guy who manages the team is Toto Wolf, so I think he's like at a hundred victories or something like that too. So it's it's just a a real good stretch. So to answer your question, what can derail it? So you know next year they're supposed to basically revamp the regulations. So when you revamp the sporting regulations, that means the cars have to 
fall within this standard. You know, they have to be this height, this measurement, this type of engine, et cetera. They used to have like the V8s and then it went to the hybrid V6s. So through the hybrid V6, that's when Mercedes has really just been kind of dominating where they have the battery charging and stuff like that. So it was scheduled to, to redo next year. But because of all the COVID and everything, the teams couldn't really work on the engineering aspect. So they'll basically have the same format and same cars next year. So the expectation is that Mercedes will probably be the dominant team next year. But then once you go into 2022, I think that's when the regulations will really make it where a lot of other different manufacturers and, and the idea you know, it's kind of like parody. It's kind of like Pete Rosell. You want every team to have a chance to win or make the playoffs, you know, within the last two weeks of the season. So that's what Formula One is going for. They want it to be three different guys on the podium every week. So I think I think next year the Mercedes train will keep rolling. But in 2022, I think it'll be a lot tougher. And, and you know, you don't know who's going to have the most dominant car. So, yeah, but definitely this year the Mercedes train is moving along and so is Lewis Hamilton. So he's just counting wins. So I hear you talk about Formula One, but you rarely mention Indy or NASCAR. Is that I mean? So let me ask you. So how did how can you be a fan of one and not the other? Either, to me, it seems like okay, you're a fan of motorsports, or you not? I mean, I don't know. What tell me? Well, it's to, to me, it's kind of like the NFL and the CFL. Okay, and and not to say that Indy is is the second tier league, but it's an international sport also. But at the same time, I think the uh, F1 is just a just a peg ahead. I mean, it's it's kind of like the the epitome of it. Then with NASCAR, you know, most people say hey, they just make left turns. You know, you can't they don't drive in the rain and they just go left all day long. And, so, and no disrespect to NASCAR because I do enjoy watching NASCAR, especially when you have those restarts with five laps left and everybody got the duct tape on the car and they just go at full speed and, and gassing out. But but I think Formula One is so unique just because of the technology. Most of the technology, the anti-lock brakes and, and everything that we have in the cars today has kind of started from the evolution of the Formula One cars. And then it trickles down into the technology of, of, of to everyday cars. And so when you look at it, I mean, you have the 24-hour of Le Mans. You have, you have other racing challenges and circuits that, that are just as entertaining and just as prestigious as the F1. But to be an F1 champion is, is just like, kind of like a, a step above or a cut above with the level of technology and the amount of money also that you have to put into the sport in order to have success. And when you're talking about comparing the two, I, I would lean more towards NASCAR. Now, I'm not a motorsport fan per se, although I watch probably much more NASCAR than I would like to admit. But this is what I like about NASCAR. You have the different tracks you have the short tracks and you have the long the the speedways they're, they're all ovals you turn left no all way. Day they, long. they have road they have some road races they have like six seven road races uh, throughout the year so they go to pocono the poconos and they got the, the indie circuit where they go kind of they have the one that go all the way around and like the oval, but then they also have like a road course at Indy that was new this year. But I like the the banging and the bumping and the fist fights. And you're not gonna right. have that. So, you're not gonna have so that. That's what, <laughs> that's what you don't see with Formula One. I mean, there's so much technology in those front wings and everything. I mean, the cars can't they can't get into you. You can't you can't bump each other with your Formula One car. I mean, it's, it's open wheel racing. So it's definitely, uh, you know, you get the high speeds. But, you're, I mean, you have the braking, you have the chicanes, you have the hairpin turns. I mean, you have right turns, you have left turns. So 
I mean, you have to load and unload on different sides of the car. You got to get the camber right. So, I mean, it's, it's so much you have to put into it. Like, it's, I mean, it's, it's more than just, you know, downforce, no downforce. I mean, so the setup of the car and the technology is, is, is super highly advanced. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a whole lot into it from an engineering standpoint. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you, if you enjoy motorsports and you enjoy watching cars go fast, I mean, NASCAR is, to me, a, a very exciting sport. I enjoy watching it. And, hey, have you uh, ever but, been to a NASCAR event? Yeah, down in Daytona. And, uh, How and was that? You know, I, li- I, li- I lived in Jacksonville, so it was cool. Aside from the fans, I'm just saying the event itself. Because I, be- I can imagine it may not be the most comfortable environment for a brother, uh, you know. <laughs> you know in the, well, in the you know, people, people say that. But, I mean, honestly, when I went to the Nürburgring with F1, we were like the only black people there except for a couple, you know, a couple African guys. I mean, they're black also, but I mean, for as far as African-Americans, I may have saw one or two guys that were in the army who were stationed in Germany. But yeah, so I mean, I don't think you can, you just, people are people in the end of the day. And I think when you have a common interest like sports or something like that, I think it kind of, kind of gets away from the, you look different from me. And so, you know, when I went to the Nürburgring, I mean, you're in Germany, everybody's speaking German. There's not a whole lot of people speaking English. I mean, you're like out in the middle of nowhere. You, you have to fly into Frankfurt and then you have to drive on the back roads and, and get there. I mean, but it was a great experience. I mean, I would, I would definitely go back and enjoy it again. And so I think that's what, that's kind of what makes it unique is that, you know, the races are throughout the world. I mean, following the NASCAR circuit, I mean, they basically is it's a worldwide sport and um, and, and, it's, and it's a huge sport. So but I, and I think that's a little bit different. But I mean, I don't I don't feel like you should feel any more uncomfortable. And I think that's what NASCAR is trying to get to where, you know, they really want everybody to participate in NASCAR. It shouldn't be. Oh, yeah, it's the good old boy you know, sport for the, for the older white guy, you know, who wants to have a sport that's just for one demographic of people. I mean, I think everybody should be able to participate in every sport. And I think that's what the world and the U S is trying to get to where you shouldn't feel uncomfortable no matter where you go. That's ultimately what we're trying to do in sports. I think is so great. Like one thing, you know, I love about a city and it doesn't matter. Like if the saints are winning, everybody's in for the saints. I mean, you got the, the old white guy, the young black dude, everybody's saying who that walking down the street coming out the Superdome shaking hands. You go to Dallas and the Cowboys are winning, you know, which that ain't happened in a long time. But everybody's <laughs> going, how about them Cowboys? Everybody's feeling the same thing coming out that stadium. It don't matter if you're from South Oak Cliff or you're from Garland. You know what I'm saying? You just Everybody's a Cowboy fan at that particular point. And I think sports does a great job of bringing communities together. You know, when the team is winning, I know for a fact crime was down in New Orleans. When the Saints are winning, they're playing on Sunday. Man, ain't nobody robbing and doing nothing bad. You're watching the Saints game. You know what I'm saying? So that's just how it goes. And so I think that's the beauty of sports. And, And if we can have more of that, I think it would be good, you know. Well, speaking of the Saints in the NFL, what stood out to you over the weekend? Because we're going to do a segment in just a moment, but I want to get your general takes. Kind of what stood out to you over the weekend? What games, what teams surprised you or disappointed you? Or What, what were your general thoughts on what happened in the NFL weekend? Well, I think the biggest thing to me is the San Diego Chargers. I mean, they keep blowing leads. And obviously they have a really good young quarterback and he has to learn how to win. But some of it is the defense, too. And then I tried to watch them this weekend to really figure out like they had another lead. Like, what are they doing wrong? Is it the coach not being more consistent with running the football and working the clock? Is the defense, you know, not doing something right? But 
I mean, eventually, you know, you have a good team like that. And I think they are a good team, but you have to figure out and learn how to win and close out games, which is something that they're not doing. So I thought that was a big takeaway. I think, you know, Buffalo finally, finally, you know, getting a win over New England. I mean, the Patriots have just been dominating the division, 11 straight division titles. So I think now you officially see a changing of the guard. And I think the next thing was just it was an old classic AFC Central battle with Tennessee in Pittsburgh. And so I think that was just, you know, a big game also. Yeah, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And that was a a thing where now that Pittsburgh has that W, I mean, you have the advantage and the two-game lead where, you know, Baltimore could have tied it all back up. But now Pittsburgh has really taken control of that division and the AFC. And, you know, there's only one team that gets that bye week. And so I think the home field advantage is not that big of a deal this year. But, you know, having one less game in order to get to the Super Bowl may be the difference of you being a little bit fresher. And, and you know, who would have thought that Pittsburgh was going to come back and, and run off a string of games like they've done? And, you know, Coach Mike Tomlin, once again, is right there to me for, you know, NFL Coach of the Year and, and everything that he's been able to do with that roster. Oh, no question about that. I want to go back to the Chargers, though. Chargers, well, first of all, they had a, they've had a ton of injuries. So they, they're in bad shape injury-wise. Austin Eckler out for the year. That was a big loss for him. A couple other guys, Bosa, uh, they've, they've had some big losses uh, defensively uh, throughout the season, some more severe than others. But they gave up an eight-play, 80-yard drive in two minutes and 30 seconds to end the game, and it was a late game. Uh, on a, what would have been the last play of the game, a pass interference call, and then that gave them yeah, the one more Yeah, put them down shot. to the yeah. two-yard line, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, it, was, it was a gut-wrenching <clears throat> loss. I was watching it you know, live on TV, and I was like, come on. Uh, And you know what? This goes back to last year. They have, I don't know if it's a consecutive string or not, but just about every game they lost last year was by one one score or less. And within, you know, eight points or less. And and this is all five losses this year, I think, are within eight points or less. One possession. One possession in, you know, one scoring drive away from winning games. So they've had, I mean, Anthony Lynn has had some tough, tough losses in close games, but that's a backbreaker right there and we'll talk a little bit more about those guys in just a little bit want to ask you a little bit about when you talk about uh, some of the games the saints with a big road win in chicago that was pretty big for them what does that say about them or is chicago just chicago I think Chicago's just Chicago. I don't know if, uh, I mean, I think they still have quarterback issues. I don't know. It may even be offense coordinator, but the, the offense just is very, just mundane. You know, it's like, and if you talk to, I've got some friends who are Chicago Bears fans. It's like, man, this offense is bored. It's the same old stuff, same old stuff. And I don't know if they need another playmaker. I don't know what the problem is, but it just still seems like they have long stretches where the offense is like highly unproductive just from a play call and play result. I mean, for the Saints, I don't think the Saints are playing their best football right now. Defense played a little better, and I think they're just waiting to get Mike Thomas back in the peak at the right time. So the Saints were able to, like, you know, we're winning and we're still not at full strength and we're not playing our best football. So I think they're just trying to get a little better, get a little better. And I was a real big game this week against Tampa Bay, which will go a long way to see who wins the division. And so, um, how you see but, that game? I mean, early preview for that one. What do you see? Uh, you know what? If I have to bet with my heart, I would probably bet on the Saints. But if I had to bet with my head, I would probably say Tampa has the edge in that game, just because. I mean, the teams were pretty evenly matched. Uh, so, but it it should be a good one. I mean, I think you know Drew Brees and and Brady, they're both just trying to hang around and see who can win 
who can have the all-time career touchdown passing record. I mean, they should just make a pack and say, all right, we're going to play one more year. Whoever gets this record gets it. Because I think both of them are waiting for the other one to retire. Yeah, I, they've I been think what's going to happen is yeah. one of them is going to retire. And he's like, that other one's going to like, all right, okay, cool. I retire too. And then the second one's going to be like, the first one's going to come back and then play one more year so he can break the record. Because, so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it's, to me, it's so obvious that they both – you know, you're you're right there. Like every every week, they go back and forth. And with the record we're talking about is the all time career touchdown passing leader in the NFL, which is significant. You don't want to be the guy that's second when you could have been first, because whoever ends up first, you could possibly have that record for a very long time, or at least until Patrick Mahomes comes along and, and beats it at like twenty thirty. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right, right. Yeah, because yeah. the game is changing now. And you look at what Russell Wilson is doing this year. He's won off of the the, uh, the season, all-time single-season lead. He's one touchdown off of that pace uh, with what he's been doing. He's been phenomenal. I uh, also want to ask you real quick, trade deadline is today. Now you're hearing rumors that Will Fuller is maybe going to Green Bay. We see the Patriots trade for a Dolphins wide receiver, Isaiah Ford. You're starting to see more movement here. Do you anticipate anything big happening and how significant? Uh, what, and then what are your thoughts on Will Fuller? Well, I mean, you know, we talked about it last week. I think the Texans should have everybody on the trade block. I mean, I, I don't. this is not a season that you're going to come back and make the playoffs and probably not next year either. And so and you don't even know what direction you're going in with a head coach and GM. So just trade everybody. I, I mean, it's like even if you get fifth, sixth or seventh round picks, cut down your salary, trade everybody. So, I mean, I think it's a. It's a good move for Green Bay, and it's a good move for the Texans. I mean, both of them, Green Bay gets a good player, and the Texans get a draft pick. That's what both teams need right now. So I think that's a win-win for everybody. Well, we'll see if it happens. And I know there's some split in the Green Bay front office. So by the time this uh, this podcast airs, that trade may either be a done deal or dead in the water. But that brings me to a segment that we've done before. We like to do them from time to time. Wifey. Side piece. Or crazy ex. This is where I give Eddie three choices. You tell me who you're wifing up, who is your side piece, and who is your crazy ex. Uh, let's start with two and five or slash two and six teams. Which of these two win teams is most likely to rebound? And I'm not gonna say make the playoffs, but get competitive and have a success more successful season going forward the two and six atlanta falcons the two and five minnesota vikings or the two and five new england patriots who are you wiping up who's gonna be the best of those three going forward in the second half of the nfl season yeah I man i hate to just go about one week but the hot team were the vikings and with Cook at running back, I mean, he has the potential to put the team on his back. They're very inconsistent, but out of those three, I think the Vikings may have the best chance of maybe sneaking into the playoffs or at least getting back to 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7. and seven. Well, I know that you have it in your DNA to not like the Atlanta Falcons, but out of the Atlanta Falcons and uh, the New England Patriots, who's gonna, who's, who are you wifing up to have a more successful second half of the season? Yeah, I mean, the Falcons, they have so much talent. It's hard to bet against them. And, you know, you, you still have, you know, Matty Ice, as they call him. Uh, but the Falcons would have to be that team that has the chance. I mean, with, with the Saints, do they still have to play twice? I think they may have played Tampa already once. And so, but if you look at the games that's on their record, it's going to be tough for them to, to all the way get back. But I think they would be the next team. 
that has a chance. And then the craziest X is uh, the New England Patriots. I think I am still going to go. I'm going to wife up the New England Patriots. They made a trade. Maybe this will make a difference and open up some things for them offensively. Cam can't continue to turn over the football, and he played better than he had been playing. I, I think that this team is not as bad as they seem if you add a piece that just can open up things a little bit and Edelman can get healthy and Cam can overcome COVID and I know that's two or three weeks ago, but that's still, you know, we don't know. We don't know if that's a factor or not. So I'm I'm wiping up New England, and then I think the side piece will be Minnesota. Side piece. Because, again, I think in that division with Detroit, Chicago, and they've already beat Green Bay once, so maybe they'll have an opportunity to make something happen in that division. I think Atlanta's division is, is a little tough. I mean, you beat Carolina, but you still have Tampa, and you have the Saints. So, yeah, so that's how I'm going on on those. Let's talk about rookie quarterbacks. We saw a the debut of Tua Tungavailoa for the Miami Dolphins, and we saw Joe Burrow's been doing his thing all year long, Justin Herbert uh, has been starting since week two, since the unfortunate situation with Tyrod Taylor. Of the three quarterbacks, who are you wifing to have a better career? Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, or Justin Herbert? I'm going to have to go with I mean, you're talking about career or a season. That's two two big different well, things. Well, how, how would you like? Do you, do you Would you rather go season? Let, let's go season in. Let, who's going to have a better yeah, let's, rookie? Let's go season. Because, I mean, career, yeah, it's, it's, I can't even project out that. That's impossible. But this season, I think Joe Burrows will probably have the better end to the season. I think him and Tyler Boyd are really on the same page. He's had those bad, horrible games, which he'll probably still have some more. But – at the same time, you can see same thing you see in college. You give him some time, he can get the ball out of his hand and make plays. And I think overall, Cincinnati, I mean, they, they have a lot of faith in him. Everybody knows he's the guy. He's playing with confidence, and uh, he'll get slapped in the face a couple times, but still, I think he'll have a good second half of the season. All right, well, so who's your side piece, Justin Herbert or Tua Tungavailoa? Yeah, now that's a tough one. And Herbert seems like he he's kind of like just, I'm going I'm to sling it and throw it around and I'm going to throw it up there and make some good plays and, and give some up. But I think the, the kid has a lot of confidence, and I think the team has a lot of faith in him. So, And he has the experience of going through a couple more games. So I, I would have to put him as that next guy who can have success in the second half. And then, too, of course, is the crazy X. In this yeah, but Tua, yeah. I mean, that's a good crazy ex. That, that's one that you might invite back over every once in a while because uh, Tua is like, I mean, he's he's a high-level player. You can see the way he gets the ball out of his hands fast. It's just a matter of him catching up to that NFL speed, and you can't you can't learn how to be a quarterback holding a clipboard. So it's going to take him a couple games to catch up to speed, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if he has a really good you know second half. I mean, he won the game, but he didn't have a great game. But, I mean, I, you know, that's to be expected. It's his first start. And right now, he's just trying to notch W's however he can and, and take the lumps that go along with it. Yeah, Jared Goff did more for that win for Miami than, than Tua did. You had the punt return for a touchdown. You had the fumble. You yep. had two interceptions. So, Jared Goff had a horrible afternoon. I would agree with you. I will, I will go all the way with you. I think that I agree that Joe Burrow is, is wifey. Um, because, again, you think about this. You talked about Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins is another guy that's doing work for them. And we're not even talking about A.J. Green, a former all-pro receiver who's still yeah, on that and roster. It, and it's a reason why we didn't talk about A.J. Green. Yeah, A.J. Green. He's been banged up. He's yeah, still, you yeah, put that car out the pasture right now. <laughs> yeah, it's looking like towards the end if he can't get healthier. But although I think last week, I think he had a productive week. I think so. He kind of 
bounce back a little bit. Not the way Julio Jones bounced back, but he bounced back a little bit. So we'll have to see what happens moving forward. Finally, in wifey, side piece of Crazy X, let's go with, I guess you we can call them what, journeyman quarterbacks at this point? I don't know, maybe not quite journeyman, but struggling veteran quarterbacks. Which of these will have the best second half of this NFL season? Carson Wentz, who owes on the season, they have three wins, four losses, and a tie. He has 12 interceptions on the season. Cam Newton, he has seven interceptions, three fumbles two touchdowns and Kirk Cousins he who has 12 touchdowns and 10 interceptions who which one of these three is going to have the best remainder of 2020 who are you wifing up well I'm gonna have to go with with uh, Kirk Cousins and uh, I mean he's he's a up and down he's a journeyman guy but he has a running game and so game defense and eh, maybe division other than Green Bay not that awesome so you know so he gets the benefit of chicago although they have a good defense so yeah i think Kirk cousins may be my guy and then your side piece is it gonna be cam or carson wentz now i'm gonna go with wentz because you know wentz is probably i mean that that division is i mean can you win the division with seven games <laughs> is that possible is that legal <laughs> but i mean it, it, it may happen it'll be a shame hopefully hopefully the division winner will at least have an eight and eight record but, yeah, I think Wentz is just benefiting from all of the bad play in the NFC East. And this is what I'll say about this. I think you have to somehow believe that Cam will get it back together. Because I think, again, maybe this trade, this Isaiah Ford, is it, you know, I think Belichick, they kind of know what they're doing. They didn't address enough on the offensive side of the football in the offseason. So I think they're making a move here, and I think that they'll do some things to put him in a position to be successful. So I will – and then if we want to quantify, statistically Cam won't, but I think Cam at the end of the year will have more wins than the other two. Because I think oh, Carson Wentz, I don't know that again. That division is so bad. You, you're right about that one. But the, 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 here's the thing: he has no offensive weapons. Like his best receiver is Greg Ward, a former quarterback who yeah. struggled to make it in the league. Boston Scott is his running back. You can't. Miles Sanders is hurt. You his starting tight end is out. So now you well, throwing a uh, Goddard. So they have some struggles offensive. And I think you know Kirk. Kirk statistically will probably have the best year remainder. He's a, he has the best year to this point, 12 uh, touchdowns with 10 interceptions. So I think that they can get yeah, it back. That's, to that's, a, that's a typical Kirk Cousin year. He'll probably finish <laughs> with 20 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. <laughs> so. Yeah, so he's had a, a big-time, big-time up-and-down career, but he got, he, he's gotten his money, so that's a big, big deal. Hey, With that, hey, man, how can folks reach out to you on social media? How can folks catch up with you? Yes, at erob50 on Instagram and Twitter. And look, you know what? I was kind to you this weekend. I agree with you on just about everything. Yeah, you did good, man. You started starting to conform. That's right. Needs more of that. Hey, man. Well, good talking to you as always. And like I said, we'll we'll try to catch up with you next Tuesday. All right, that'll work. Want to thank Eddie Robinson for joining us, like he does usually on Tuesdays. We certainly appreciate that. Now, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like Ed. Ed, his his disposition, he just he handles everything so smoothly. That's my guy, and uh, we always enjoy his input on all things NFL and Formula One. And for once, we kind of agreed with one another today. So there's that. With that, it's time for. The Lamont Award! I don't want to wish you no bad luck.
But I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you. You big dummy. Of course, the Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy. Well, you know what? I'm a passionate guy, and I'm all about it. And I love some of the shenanigans that go on on the field. I participated in some of that stuff when I played, and I just enjoy it. This is what like when, when players mix it up and maybe fight, maybe have scuffle a little bit. And, and I'm going to tell you why I like this. The antithesis of fighting on the court and kind of, you know, it's not respect. It's this friendship among opponents. And I don't, I'm old school. I really don't like friendship among opponents. I mean, look, if you pay all this money to watch these games and you buy gear and beer and popcorn and parking places, doing all of that stuff to pay to go see these guys. You want these guys to play with passion. And if I'm emotionally invested for those three or four hours, I need you to be that way. I don't need you always shaking hands. I'm not above that all the time. Like, oh, it's cool, you know, oh, respect. Hey, I got you, I got you. But, uh, you know, that Isaiah Magic Johnson kissing each other on the cheek and, oh, we're going to go to dinner, Barkley taking Jordan to dinner the night before game none of that no i want you to compete as hard as i want to win and you are my proxy <laughs> you know what i'm saying so like when you're out there on the field and i'm rooting for you i want you to have passion and one way to know somebody has passion is if they don't like the opponent if they just really really want to beat the opponent or if they say you know what forget protocol forget all of this uh, pomp and circumstance let's throw hands let's let's get it in I'm upset with you. And so I'm, I'm, I have a place in my heart for that. But Javon Williams, the Chicago Bears wide receiver, he went over the line. Not because the fight went too far. It was because he was a Lamont. He really did something in a way that he shouldn't have done. So in the game versus the New Orleans Saints, cornerback uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he gotten into it. He'd been beefing with uh, Anthony Miller, wide receiver for the Chicago Bears, Anthony Miller, and Wims, and he ripped Wims' mouthpiece out of his mouth. Okay. that And that's disrespectful, and that's grounds to have that addressed. However you have to address that, you got to address that. But what Wims did instead, he didn't address it immediately. Instead, what he did was he went to the sideline because there was a change of possession. The Saints had the ball, so the Bears' defense was on the field. So he waited about 10, 11, 12 minutes before he got back on the field to run up behind him, try to rip his his mouthpiece out, punch him in the face not with an open hand, and then punch him in the face again violently. Violently and aggressively and unnecessarily. And C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who who already had an altercation earlier this season with his teammate, Michael Thomas, which, again, C.J. Gardner-Johnson been getting his ass whooped all season long. But anyway, he's our, well, I don't know what he does. I don't, and maybe he's just an irritant and he gets under people's skin. But apparently he got under Michael uh, Thomas's skin, his teammate, uh, earlier this year. And he did the same thing for Wims. So it's not that Wims retaliated. It's that you waited so long. And that's why I think the NFL got you. It's not that you got with him. It's that you, first of all, yeah, the violence in the head, you know, they're trying to protect the head of all players anyway. So that is a deal onto itself. We can't have 
punches to the head. We just can't do that. It's not a good look. We are trying to avoid head injuries. That's not what we want. And it was premeditated because you went to the sideline and thought about it for 10 or 12 minutes. Had you acted immediately, you might have got a one-game suspension. You might not have got suspended at all. But instead, you waited, you thought it out, and then somebody might have gotten in your head. I don't know what got in your head, but you went after him, and you earned yourself a two-game suspension. Well, you're not exactly a staple in this league. You only make 600 only only 600 dollars a year. So it comes out he's going to miss about $85,000 with those two games of suspension. And you could have jeopardized and still can uh, have jeopardized your opportunity to stay in the NFL. And was it worth it? I mean, come on, man. You can't do that. Now, I'm not mad. Like, if you had went right after him and got with him on the spot, cool. You know, again, you still have repercussions and you still have have some punishment you got to deal with. And you take your case. TYC, you take your case. But when you wait and go after somebody a whole 12 minutes later and cost yourself $85,000, imagine Five, six, seven years from now, who can't use the extra $85,000? You just gave it away. You know why you gave it away? Because you are a big dummy. You big dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Javon Williams. Look, I have no problem with fisticuffs. I have no problem with that. I have a problem with premeditation. And you didn't handle it on the spot. And there are always ways in a football game. You got 60 minutes. You can get him a number of ways. You don't have to get him right away. You can get him down the road. But I hope that 85 grand was worth it. Now, he's going to appeal, I'm sure. but And maybe he'll get it reduced to one game. I don't know. But then he lied. He Oh, I forgot about this part. He lied and said that C.J. Gardner-Johnson spit on him. So this is what uh, – you can't do that. So you, you're a double Lamont guy. I forgot about this part. He said that Gardner Johnson spit on it. No, no, you're not waiting 12 minutes if somebody spit on you. Come on, man. Not buying it. Not buying it at all. Just take your punishment. Just take that $85,000 hit, that two-game suspension, and when you're working as a personal trainer next year because you hurt the team, because you cost the team 15 yards in a game that they lost in overtime. So I say that to say, come on, you can't do that, and you get a Lamont Award. But with that, before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, hey, want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes. Want to thank Amanda Edwards. Want to thank Eddie Robinson. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Want to remind you guys on the Thursday episode, we have another edition of Why We Kneel. And we're going to do some We the People. So hit me up. Hey, be safe out there. I hope you got a chance to vote. I hope you get a chance to vote. And please, again, hey, Just exercise your right to be heard. But if it doesn't go your way, let's not rip the country up and let's not, you know, let's not go out here and hurt anybody or get ourselves hurt. Be careful. Stay prayerful. Take a deep breath. Relax. And we will try to get through this thing together. But until next time, you always have to remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.